This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, July 27th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Mountain Village considers pricing for Meadowlark housing, County Sprouts new compost program, blessing the canyon with spiritual jazz and a mountain weather forecast. But first, San Miguel County Search and Rescue responded to an incident on Wednesday when two climbers got stuck ascending El Diente Peak outside of Telluride. According to the San Miguel County Sheriff's Office, the men, experienced climbers in their 30s from Colorado Springs, got cliffed out at approximately 13,800 feet. Search and Rescue used a helicopter to help the climbers with route finding. The men were able to self-rescue, continued their descent, and returned to their campsite at Navajo Lake. There were no injuries in the six-hour mission. Mountain Village is facing some challenges when it comes to pricing for its latest for-sale housing project in the Meadows. The Meadowlark project is now in a place where uh, we could probably sell the units at prices that are in line with what is happening in the Meadows currently with deed-restricted units. However, uh, we don't think that that necessarily meets the overall objectives of this program because we are trying to fill a gap that was below that level. That's Mountain Village Town Manager Paul Weiser speaking at a town council meeting last week. The project consists of 29 for-sale units in the Meadows, with units ranging from one to three bedrooms. The aim of the project, according to Weiser, is to fill a gap between rental units and deed-restricted housing with no price cap. We have a large um, stack of four rental products that are available to the 50 to 60% AMI limits. And then we kind of come in and have uh, some other products uh, in terms of Mountain View and Phase 4 that are slightly above that. And then we have the individual units that uh, do have deed restrictions on them. But given the fact that they do not have a price cap on them, given the realities of our current market, the attainability of those units has uh, gone from what was once very realistic to not realistic at all for most people. And so that's why we are trying to build Meadowlark to, in order to address that gap. Over the course of planning for the development, the project has shifted. Mountain Village's comprehensive plan allowed for 41 units to be built on the lot, but members of the community said that density was too high. So Mountain Village shifted the number down to 29, eliminating a number of studio apartments. Wiser notes with the shift in unit types, the number of units and cost of construction going up, the price on the units needs to go up too. But that eliminates the goal of making the units more affordable. So Mountain Village is considering a number of financing options to help buyers purchase the homes. The first way that we can help buyers make this project attainable is for the town to take its remaining $4.3 million in equity and use those funds to buy down the cost of the project. So day one, the price of the con- the the project is simply going to be lower. The second option is to assist with a down payment. So we would sell the units at a higher price initially, but the town would provide between 15 and 20% of the purchase price to the individuals at the closing table. The town would become a proportionate owner based on how much they provide uh, in that unit. And so that has the benefit that the owner would be or the purchaser would be able to come to the closing table and essentially uh, the 
required closing costs would already be on the table for them. And effectively, the purchase price, at least the cost burden, I should say, to the purchaser would be lowered in addition to having down payment assistance through the town's equity. Wiser notes the town doesn't need to choose one option or the other. A buyer could come to us and say, this is my financial situation. So the equity program makes sense to me. And someone could say, I have plenty of money to make that down payment. And so it makes more sense to have a lower initial purchase price. And that's what I want. Um, I, you know, we're playing with theoretical numbers. Uh, but I think that if I think it's important to note that if everything else is equal between two buyers um, who choose each program, the net effect of mortgage, no matter which one you choose, is this pretty much the same. When it comes to who will theoretically be purchasing the units, Mountain Village isn't using a strict lottery in the way the town of Telluride has. Mountain Village is using a waterfall to determine who is the most qualified for the units. The town has also identified five community organizations that will be eligible to purchase a unit. Tri-County Health Network, the Med Center, San Miguel Resource Center, the School District, and the Fire Protection District. And that waterfall goes... um town of Mountain Village employees, and then these essential organizations that we've identified, and then essential workers, which has its own definition, then people who work in the town of Mountain Village, and then people who work in the R1 school district, and finally businesses. The town of Mountain Village still doesn't have set pricing on the homes and has yet to decide whether it will go with option one, two, or a mix of both when it comes to financial assistance. Mountain Village staff is collecting public input on what would be most helpful to potential buyers and will further discuss with town council at a future meeting. Individuals looking to share their input on financing assistance can reach out to housing at mtnvillage.org. A bit of bacteria, a community of fungus, the right amount of moisture, and a little time. That's the recipe for good compost and the secret to turning food scraps into nutrient-dense soil ready to power a local farm. San Miguel County is mixing up a compost batch of its own, and the county commissioners held a work session this week to discuss the initiative. KOTO's Gavin McGough has more. San Miguel County recently received over $300,000 from the USDA to pursue a countywide composting program. Sustainability consultant Chris Medery is working on the project with the county and says the end goal is dramatically cutting the amount of food which ends up in the landfill. At the end of the grant period, so by mid-2025, we're hoping to achieve 80% food waste reduction in the county from our current baseline. And of course, uh, we want to work with our local agricultural producers uh, in a number of ways to improve our soil health. Those food waste reductions will not come in the form of discarded veggie scraps alone. Hank Williams, also working on the project, says the issue begins right at the grocery store, with food that's still edible. At present, our grocery stores donate little to none to our food pantries, meaning that edible food is simply going to the landfill. Our pantry organizers have expressed to us that they could use more produce, eggs, and dairy. Based on region-wide numbers collected through the Norwood Food Pantry, Williams continues, There is a huge need for this as over 4,000 people in our county use either food banks, SNAP benefits, or government assistance. 
The USDA grant is for a pilot program, which will allow the county to take a few years to perfect its compost collection strategies, build relationships with area farmers, and work out all the potential kinks. Williams and Metairie discussed the project, had a work session with the county commissioners this week. Commissioner Ann Brown asks about the big picture. The pilot program suggests to me that we're just kind of trying things out, right? Mm-hmm. But we do intend, with, do we have enough money with this grant? Probably not. To build a facility, that would be next step. That would be next step, correct. Okay. That next step facility will require a funding strategy and timeline all of its own. During the pilot, the county will truck all of its raw food scraps to 3XM, a composting facility in Montrose. The idea, says Metairie, is to start slow, grow, really monitor our volumes and compositions while we're bringing everything to to, to 3XM. That way, we'll have uh, a solid understanding of the type of facility that we want to apply for. Commissioners also ask about potential challenges in setting up county composting. First on the list is teaching residents and businesses exactly what is compostable. So no trash, which Metairie calls contamination, enters the system. Also on Metairie's mind are pests. Bears in this case. Um, luckily, we're all of our waste haulers and, and operators are used to having locked dumpsters. Um, and we may have to change the dumpsters as the bears learn the method. Metairie notes the county's terrain poses a challenge, both in the densely packed east end and farther afield. Uh, and we, we've mentioned it briefly. It's hard to drive large trucks around here on the narrow streets and also on narrow roads in the un- unincorporated areas of, of our county. Currently, the county is focused on outreach and is conducting a survey to get public input on the project. Additionally, a website devoted to information and announcements regarding the composting pilot will soon become available. Telluride is known for its music festivals, bringing artists from across the globe into Town Park. But walk down Main Street this summer and you may hear the flute, saxophone, and drumming of Hassan Ravenwolf Jennings II. KOTO News spoke with Jennings for this audio postcard. how we start the interview, right? <laughs> That's how we start <laughs> Hello, everybody out there. This one is, is known as Hassan Raven Wolf Jennings II. We're on the corner of uh, Colorado and Pine. I'm playing and sharing, actually, sharing. A lot of people want to call it busking. It is sharing these gifts that flow through me. And uh, the music is called Spiritual Jazz. And my purpose is to heal the world, one heart at a time, starting with mine, starting with my own heart. I started playing music when I was four and a half, five, flute. I started playing saxophones in the 90s. 
1992, 1993, tenor alto, respectively. What got me playing on the street? People. You know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably okay enough to play on a big stage, venues, travel the world, ah, drink a lot, drive a lot, all that. But the people on the street, everyday people, they need a little light so they can get through their day. You know, so that's what got me on the street. It's all about people. We're all connected. And, and then strengthening and just making that connection resilient to all that we're bombarded with throughout the day. Just with that which flows through us. L-O-V-E, love. That, that is what flows through us. That's why we have our being and how we move, whether we realize it yet or not. <laughs> I met a young lady named Jade. She lives here in Telluride. And she was, and there were some hikers up on the ridge there. They could hear my saxophone and my drumming way up there when they were hiking. And they came down and said so. And I, I said that to Jade. And, uh, and she says to me, you're blessing the valley. I'd like folks to know that, that the valley is truly, truly, truly blessing us as we bless it. That's what I want people to dig. Beautiful life, y'all. In Telluride, it seems like there's a festival per weekend, but it's too late for plein air and too early for jazz. Baseball fest packed up, leaving Town Park quiet, and there's not even a brand new food fest to program the days. But don't despair in the late July doldrums, because a lull can mean only one thing. It must be time for the Nothing Fest, an amorphous tradition, a celebration of spontaneity and improvisation. This year's Nothing Fest bike ride parade is coming on Saturday, July 29th, kicking off from the west end of Main Street around 5 p.m. Wear what you wish, or in the spirit of the festival, nothing at all. A wildfire which began 14 miles north of Gunnison on Wednesday morning has grown to roughly 700 acres, and despite firefighting efforts, was 0% contained at time of broadcast. The Low Line Fire, as it has been named, is located in a remote section of the Grand Mesa and Compagre and Gunnison National Forests. Despite the remote location, a handful of area structures are threatened by its spread, and an evacuation order is in place for the immediate vicinity. Firefighting teams are working to contain the blaze with both helicopters and ground crews responding. The public is asked to avoid the area, which is roughly halfway between Crested Butte and Gunnison. Updates can be found on the GMUG Fire Info Facebook page. The Biden administration announced hundreds of millions of dollars in new federal infrastructure funding for Colorado. The money will go towards roads, bridges, tunnels, and water infrastructure. Most of it will be used to build a new research facility at the Colorado School of Mines, fix an old contaminated pipeline in the Arkansas Valley, and replace the Leadville Mine Drainage Tunnel. It will also go towards cleaning up about 700 orphaned oil wells and building a new water pipeline in the southwest part of the state. The funding is part of more than $7 billion in federal grants, divided between hundreds of projects across the country. The Hollywood writers and actors' strikes are having far-reaching impacts, including here in Colorado. 
KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports the state's film production industry is at a standstill. Two movies are slated to start production in Colorado as soon as September. But because of the strikes, they're both on hold. Their actors are members of the Screen Actors Guild, or SAG, which recently started picketing alongside the already striking Writers Guild. State Film Commissioner Donald Zuckerman says movie production is important to Colorado's local economies. These projects have an afterlife, which uh, really helps promote business here. And there are people who go out of their way to uh, visit places that have been in the, in the movies. Zuckerman says the strikes will also hurt film festivals, including next month's high-profile Telluride Film Festival. Conversely, he says they will likely boost reality TV production. The Film Commission recently approved two new reality shows set in Colorado. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. Boulder County is known as a place where one can find all sorts of alternative therapies. An eager audience seeking health and wellness can find everything from salt spas to sensory deprivation tanks to yoga with baby goats. And now for the first time in Colorado, bee huts. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Benita Lee has more. We're only the third place in the United States that even has a, a bee hut like this. That's Charlie Peterson beekeeper and co-owner of Capella Ranch, where the natural busy work of hundreds of thousands of bees is harnessed to help people relax. Charlie falls asleep, I get, <laughs> I get tingly, and our oldest daughter levitates. So. <laughs> and that's Charlie's wife and Capella Ranch co-owner Carolyn Peterson talking about what happens when her family members each take time to sit in a bee hut. Just seven years ago, the Petersons were raising their two daughters in Rock Creek, the sprawling neighborhood in Superior. They had always been animal lovers, their home filled with domestic pets of all kinds. Carolyn says an odd twist of fate had them look at a ranch for sale in Lafayette. And we fell in love. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. We were exploring the different types of animals we could keep and what we could do. And I thought bees sounded really fascinating. And the more I read about them, I thought it would be great to try. Charlie signed up for the Swarm Rescue Hotline with the Boulder County Beekeepers Association. And then he got his first hive. And it didn't make it over the winter, but I certainly, shall we say, got the bug and wound up catching more swarms in subsequent years. And it got to the point a couple of years ago where Carolyn said, okay, Charlie, you got 25 hives. What are you gonna do with all those bees? While the Petersons do sell honey, Charlie says it's a tough business with low profit margins and stiff local competition. So he started asking around about what else people do with bees. I was down in Denver picking up some equipment for the hives and talked to a guy named Dakota Lyons at uh, Plan B. He said, hey, there's this thing called hive aerosol apotherapy which is where you are breathing the vapor that comes from the beehive. And it brings with it all the same good stuff, the antioxidants, the vitamins, minerals, everything that's in just eating honey. When that aerosolizes, you're now breathing the same thing. So you're getting all the goodness from the honey, sort of as a, a, a direct shot into your lungs. And uh, it seems a little odd, sure. And I heard about that and I thought, uh, okay, sounds interesting. The Petersons did research and discovered that hive aerosol apotherapy is popular in Europe, especially in Slovenia, Austria, and Hungary. That therapy is used for allergies, asthma, lung fibrosis, and other respiratory ailments. 
But the Petersons say they're not trying to provide a medical treatment. We're not doctors, and we're not trying to promote the bee huts as saying, oh, this is some magic curative kind of a thing. We're just discovering that a lot of people are having real positive outcomes after they visit. And one of those positive outcomes is just relaxation. The huts at Capella Ranch look like fairy tale cottages for elfin creatures. Based on European designs, they have slanted roofs and are made of cedar. But in a bee hut, there's not a lot of space between the bees and the people. There are two entrances on opposite sides of the bee hut. On the south side is a tiny horizontal slit where the bees fly in to get to the hives. This side has a door that can open so the beekeeper can access the hives to check on the bees and to remove honey. But on the north side of the beehive is a regular door. Inside is a step up to a bench. The bench is above where all of the hives are loaded into, and there's a very, very heavy-duty stainless steel mesh screen underneath the slatted boards. So you're on top of the cedar bench, but they're not coming through. That's right. If you want to experience hive aerosol apitherapy, you go into the bee hut, shut the door, and sit or lay down on a bench inches away from hundreds of thousands of bees working diligently to make honey and feed their babies. And it sounds like this. While the Petersons seem to have a build it and they will come attitude, they say they've checked out apotherapy claims by doing research and with their own observations. Carolyn says there are three main factors at play that seem to contribute to the bee hut's effect on people. One is energy. There's a lot of energy that comes off of a beehive. It has a highly ionized air that they create. They also have a magnetic field that they put around their hive. The Petersons bought an electromagnetic meter to check out this claim. So we tested the hives and it sort of moves the needle, not off the chart, but it at least moves so that we know that there's some sort of a magnetic energy coming off. Another aspect is the sound of their buzzing. And it's almost like a a white noise of humming. Sometimes you get the zing of the bee that you would expect to have. That's more rare. Sometimes you'll hear a clicking noise, kind of like Rice Krispies that we believe is the bees chewing up wax and putting it different places. Carolyn says the bees' wings are what make hive aerosol apotherapy especially effective. So what are the bees actually doing inside the hive? They'll bring in pollen and nectar and they'll put it into the comb and they'll add a lot of water. Mm. When they do that, it's about 70% water and they have to move their wings and flap around and work that mixture to get it from 70% to 20%, then they'll cap it as honey. But as they're doing this, that 50 point difference is where the aerosol comes out, where they're flapping their wings and dehydrating it so that it it comes out through the slats and and you're breathing Mm -hmm. that that change. Mm -hmm. I did try the experience myself. And while I was mostly preoccupied with getting bee sounds, it did feel like I was eavesdropping on a large family's conversation. There's no telling what's in it for the bees, but for some people, Carolyn says the bees offer a kind of epiphany. I have a lot of people who come out from the experience talking about 
feeling like they're a part of a well-organized community. Mm. That the whole concept of bees and how they work has been quite powerful for some people who think that if they can get that organized, maybe we should be able to as well. For KGNU, I'm Benita Lee. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for isolated showers and thunderstorms tonight with mostly clear skies and a low around 50 degrees. Friday, there's a 50% chance of showers and thunderstorms with mostly sunny skies during the day and partly cloudy skies at night. The high is in the mid-80s with a low around 50. Saturday, showers are likely with mostly sunny skies and a high near 90 degrees. Saturday night should be mostly cloudy with a chance of showers and thunderstorms and a low around 50 degrees. This has been the news for Thursday, July 27th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hi, lovely Koto listeners. This is Claire from Telluride Chamber Music, here to tell you that Telluride Chamber Music is turning 50. And we would love you to come and celebrate with us on July 28th and 29th. We have a very special weekend of concerts lined up with the world-renowned New York Philharmonic Brass Quintet. The events kick off on Friday, July 28th at 6pm outside the Telluride Historical Museum with a free street concert for the whole community. The quintet will perform on the porch of the museum and North First Street will be closed to traffic so that everyone can come and celebrate with us. On Saturday, July 29th at 2pm, we have the Brass Family, which is a free kids concert at Wilkinson Public Library. Learn all about brass instruments from world-class musicians. All ages are welcome and snacks provided. Later on July 29th at 7pm at the Sheridan Opera House, we have Bach to Bernstein with a brass twist. This is the finale of our 50th celebrations and the concert showcases the best music for brass. A classical first half followed by jazz, musicals and popular music in the second half all played by one of the world's most famous brass quintets. Tickets for this concert are on sale on our website telluridechambermusic.org where you can also find the details for all the events. We can't wait to celebrate with you. Watch my buckskin and my saddle and my day bags and my gun rolling ass over tea kettle down into the morning sun. She was bent, she was twisted, she was bruised up in the back. We were half an hour scouting down the hill for broken tack. We were halfway up Red Mountain. Hey, you fun-loving rodeo fans. This is Elizabeth from the Norwood Roping Club. And I have good news for you. And some bad news. The good news is, the funnest weekend of the summer is almost upon us. Bad news is, it only lasts two nights. So make sure you get to Norwood for the San Miguel County Rodeo, July 28th and 29th. That's Friday night, 
and Saturday night. It starts at 7 p.m. The Mutton Bustin' starts at 6. After that, we've got all the proper rodeo events, some bareback riding, some saddle bronc, barrels and bulls. and Did I say roping? My personal favorite, steer wrestling. Locals can get in on the rodeo action too. You can form a team. You can win some money in the wild steer dragging contest. Plenty of fun to watch that. For the younger folk, the smaller folk, not quite ready to be drugged by a wild steer in public, they can participate in the stick horse race. And we've also got calf riding for the kids. And this year, we have mini broncs. Kids age 4 to 14 can ride them. Or can they? Come and see for yourself. And this guy, Bryn Hill, is coming at us for the after party right there at the fairgrounds. Included in the price of your ticket is the party having Bryn Hill play the dance. Plenty of food, drinks, fun for all. Hope to see you at Norwood July 28th and 29th for the rodeo. Yeehaw! Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.